You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Appreciate you all tuning in as the Colts coming off a win are hosting the best team in the NFL by record, at least, as former Colts offensive coordinator Nick Sirianni brings the 8-1 Philadelphia Eagles to town this week for a 1 p.m. date inside Lucas Oil Stadium Sunday afternoon. We'll preview the Colts and Eagles matchup with an injury update, keys to the game. We'll make our predictions, of course, as always. First, we'll start with the news from the week that was, and uh, we begin with the Colts All-Pro linebacker Shaquille Leonard. His season is over. After a second surgery on his back, over the since um, I guess since the last offseason began, placed on injured reserve last Friday after a setback in practice on Wednesday. Um, yeah, the first surgery was June 9th. In fact, Joe has it right here. I should read my notes that he has for me. Thank you, Joe, um, to address discs in his back that pressed on his nerve. Um, and and, and Chap, when, when we heard what Shaquille said the last time we spoke to him, that the nerve wasn't firing. That was a direct quote. The nerve is not firing. That that is worrisome immediately. I don't know everything that goes into that. And somebody, obviously a doctor told him that um, to, um, to, to get him to say it. But uh, it, it, it has become a lost season for, for Shaquille Leonard. I think he had fewer than 100 snaps total in the couple 74. games. There you go. Exactly. 74 snaps in the uh, three-ish games he played. Um, so it, it's, it's an unfortunate twist for him and his career. The Colts defense has fortunately been pretty darn good without him. But nevertheless, uh, they, what if there's one thing the defense has missed, it has been opportunistic takeaways, and he always, was always good for a couple of at least opportunities of those every week. So um, it, it, Shaquille Leonard, his season chap is now over. Yeah, when we talked to him last week and he said the nerve isn't firing, I mean, you knew, you just knew that where this was going, they put him on IR a few days later, <laughs> I think Saturday officially, which meant four games, but you just knew. Uh, deep down that he was done for the year. And the concern is, again, it, it, it didn't. the first surgery didn't work. Well, the second? I mean, is it a different surgery? Did they do something? Not wrong, but... Did, did, Could they be more aggressive somehow in another surgery? Yeah, exactly. But, but this, is, this isn't an ACL or a patella or Achilles. It, it, it's a back and nerves, and, and you just don't know. And he, he wasn't the same player. You could tell by watching him play, and, and, and he even he was more like that uh, when we talked to him Thursday, I guess just kind of resigned to where they were. And fortunately, you know, the surgery's done soon enough that you're going to know next, you know, OTAs, minicamp and all that. Not minicamp as much as the offseason program. You'll know where he is, and you'll know, I assume, whether the nerve's firing. Joe, uh, really – frustrating for an athlete to be doing one thing your whole life to think one way and for your body to respond one way especially if you're the elite of the elite like Shaquille Leonard was and then all of a sudden you're like do this body's like nah man I'm good I'm not doing that anymore that that's kind of how I put it in layman's terms I can't put it in layman's terms what a nerve not firing means and it's got to be so frustrating not knowing exactly what the fix would be. To Mike's point, you know how to recover from an ACL, uh, but broken bones, like those kind of things are pretty standard. Obviously, Achilles is a little more tough to come back from. We have seen far less success stories, but with this nerves, you know, you just got to hope that the second surgery takes, I guess, might be the right lingo, that it, it uh, gets that nerve firing again because, I mean, Shaquille Leonard was off to a – Hall of Fame 
start to his career. Four years, four All-Pro nods. Yeah, and and for something like this to derail him and potentially, you know, you hate to think about it, but potentially n- him never being able to come back the same, um, you, you just got to hope and pray that he's able to recover from this and get back to the maniac that once lit up Lucas Oil Stadium. The good thing, chap, is that the Colts have had some pretty good linebacker play in his absence, but like I said, it has been missing the dynamic, game-changing, turnover-worthy plays. When you talk about solid linebackers, though, you're getting it from both Bobby Okereke and Zaire Franklin, and from time to time, EJ Speed has come in and produced a couple big plays for this defense, so you, you can't, you don't feel bad about the way the linebackers performed in his absence, but nevertheless, it's it's not what they had the last four years with Shaq. Because, they're, they're, like you said, they, they're not getting what they got from him. Was it like 12 takeaways last year, and they had 33 as a team? I think it's kind of amazing, again, that they're a, a top 10 defense not getting takeaways. It, it's just it's hard to play in this league. We've seen both sides. It's hard to play in this league with 18 or 19 turnovers by the offense. Mm-hmm. It just is. And it's hard to play steady defense when you're not turning the ball over and, and, and you're – you're waiting for either the big play on on third down or fourth down that they, that they got in Vegas from Okereke and, and Gilmore, and not a turnover, not not that sudden change. So uh, again, that, and that's not even remotely to dismiss Zaire Franklin and, and Okereke. I mean, Okereke had a great run stop on second down and the pass breakup on third down, and Franklin's just been amazing. He just has been. He's been a great leader, and, and he does the the no frill stuff. But you miss you miss that different level that a player like Leonard brings you. And I mean that that's why I was I personally was okay with the Colts paying him twenty million dollars here because he's not just a linebacker. He brings you so much more. I mean, there was no player in the league like him who who caused turnovers like him. He was basically the Ed Reed of linebackers in that he was just always around the ball and had a knack for taking it away. He got the interception this year. Ball just, fell right to I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> like, man, there it is. Hey. But, you know, that, that's sort of like who he is. But you're right. That's you got to have that, and that's what they've been missing. And the Colts are going to have an interesting decision coming up after this year where January, February, probably not going to exactly know where Leonard stands. Okereke's up for a new contract. Yep. EJ Speed's up for a new yep. contract. How much money do they sink into that linebacker position with – Shaq still probably being a major question mark at that point in the offseason. There's going to be a lot to talk about in the months ahead. Chap, I think that's a tremendous point by Joe because going into this season, those two guys with EJ Speed and Bobby Okereke, you figure one of them is not going to be on the team next year. I, I know that we're looking way ahead right now, but at least that's something that's in the back of our minds we're roster building. That's something that has to be in the back of Chris Ballard's mind that he's building this roster for the future. But now that Shaquille Leonard is having a second back surgery since June 1st, for crying out loud, maybe they're both back next year. So that, that just kind of opens up the possibility that we see more consistency there in the linebackers. But that also means more money gets, uh, gets put into the linebackers that they can't use elsewhere. I think there's a good, a good chance, a very good chance, that they're not going to know yep. Shaq's status yep. in February or March. I doubt it. Uh, and so then, I guess on the on on the good side of it is you wouldn't think that Okereke or Speed will break the bank, but but you've got to decide how how much you want to go to retain them. Keep in mind, this is next year. Next off season is when you generally extend JT and Michael Pittman. Mm-hmm. So you have to figure all that in 
And again, the bottom line is you hope you hope Shaq comes back to being the player he was. You just really do. But you're going to have to make decisions based on not having all the information probably in February and March. Well, you bring up JT. Jonathan Taylor named the AFC Offensive Player of the Week for his performance uh, in Las Vegas against the Raiders. Had 163 total yards, one touchdown on 24 touches. Finally broke one. 60-plus yard run. Uh, boom, see you later. Uh, showed some of that breakaway speed. Didn't look to me quite as fast as he did last year, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, Derek. But they Didn't catch him. Exactly. That, that's all that matters. They did not catch him. He got to the end zone. Um, so, I'm sure the ankle's not 100%. Either. And that's what but, I was but, thinking. But you, you're always but wondering what he had, that extra gear, and he had enough of a gear. Exactly. What was the funniest part, and we're going to get used to this moving forward with Jeff Saturday, is he talked about this on Wednesday. And he said, yeah, he said, JT, you know, the 147 yards and a 66 tud. That word never came out of Frank Reich's mouth, Mm-mm. tud. Mm-mm. Nope, we're going to get some words like that. A little more yeah. flavor. And some, some bra. Hey, bra. Let's go. <laughs> so a lot, fu- lot of fun for that first Jeff Saturday game. You guys talked about it on Monday. I don't feel like we need to go too much into it. But um, I-, I do want to say that, like, obviously, last week on this podcast, we were – uh, not the kindest about the hire, but again, it was nothing wrong with Jeff Saturday. I'll say that. B, uh, I'll say most of my criticism was toward Jim Ursay. And C, I'll say if you want to rub it in my face now and say, oh, look, the Colts won. You, what, what, what do you think about that now? I'll be like, well, they won one game against the most dysfunctional team Carolina in the league. Carolina beat Tampa Bay, too. Yeah, that too. So so congratulations. We'll, we'll come back to me at the end of the year, and, and we'll see uh, – if that uh, if that podcast holds what up, what's funny? And, and we were Thursday. We always get assistant coaches, and we got assistant coaches today. We talked to Scott Milanovic and Reggie, and two things. I tweeted out last week that I had heard that Milanovic was the first one offered the play calling job, and he confirmed that he he was offered the job, and he turned it down. And said it was just not the right time, and then it was asked to Reggie. Did it? Re- Reggie's just great. He's a great quote because he's just from the heart. And he was asked if 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 they had offered you the job, Let's what would you have done? PG, of course, chap, right here. He said, "Yeah." He said, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." Twice. He said, "Why wouldn't you?" And I said, "Well, you you know, he jumped the line." And he said, "Who doesn't you know? Basically, who doesn't jump the line? You see, you go shopping. There's a long, and there's a long line at Walmart, and you see your friend up front, and they wave you up. You go up front. Same with you know TSA at the airport. So he said, "Of course, you would have done it." But uh, and he had all as you can expect, really good things to say about Jeff. Mm-hmm. From, from his knowledge of him from the 2000s when they were together. So, uh, but I'm telling you, when Reggie was a player, Fridays with Reggie was always golden because he always gave you something. Reggie always gives you something. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Totally agree. And uh, Jonathan Taylor, uh, I'll add, this was his only second 100 yard rushing game this season. Uh, last one was week one. And uh, so, uh, some. They some- have, he's got. He's, He's got to get back to being yep. that player. Some things to build on. And, and and from what I saw, I think I saw a stat. Um, uh, somebody tweeted it out that he had something like 4.5 yards before he was touched. And uh, that was obviously his best of the year. But even if you took away the 66-yard run, it was at like 2.1 yards before he was touched, which would still have been the best that he had this entire season. So that that speaks to what Joe, the offensive line, did last week. Finally really came together and answered the bell. I think I mentioned it on the Monday show, but there were times I saw that offensive line push the Raiders two, three yards back. I hadn't seen that all year. Nope. 
So whatever Jeff said, I, I get it. It's the Raiders. It's the Raiders. Let's start with that and, and then go to everything you gotta else. you got to add that grain of salt. Yes. That, that needs to be in there. But the Colts have played other bad teams and that did not perform that well. Mm-hmm. Whatever Jeff Saturday did or said to fire those guys up, it worked. Hopefully that's sustainable for the rest of the year. Colts 2023 season tickets are available now online, Colts.com. One more bit of news before we wrap up. And uh, wouldn't wouldn't be a... Uh, uh, a chat with Dave if Carson Wentz wasn't mentioned, and it appears that he will not start this weekend, but that's not because Taylor Heineke has won a job necessarily. That is because Carson Wentz is not back off of IR yet. He's not practicing yet. So another game without Carson Wentz in Washington means, guys, that it's very likely almost 100% now that will the— Will that be uh, five games he'll miss? Yes. And that, that's probably— That's the- really the limit. Like, the the the— I think we talked about it. The it, like four and a half or four point six or four point seven games is whatever the threshold was seventy percent um, of snaps. So uh, unlikely that, that the Colts will see their third round pick chap upgraded to a second round pick in the deal that sent Carson Wentz to the Commanders. It's just another way of Carson Wentz smacking him. Mm. What if he comes mm. back and like every game they play goes into overtime? That's possible. There you go. <laughs> Joseph, so, there's, so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> That's right. Perhaps maybe the offense just runs 80 plays a game. They go to the old Chip Kelly uh, system and just run play after play after play. And then play. Rivera will start counting the snaps yeah. right? in week 17 and 18. Let's, let's put Heineke yeah, back let's put in a couple, there. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Well, we'll see about that. What does Hancock Health's membership in the Mayo Clinic Care Network mean for you? It means our independent health network now has access to the knowledge and resources of the world leader in medicine. It means your Hancock Health doctor can now consult with Mayo Clinic specialists to confirm a diagnosis or treatment plan. And it means that together we're making health possible for you. Learn more about our new clinical collaboration at hancockregional.org front slash Mayo Clinic. As the Colts get set to host the Philadelphia Eagles this week, we'll start with injured players with the Colts. Uh, a couple rest days for some veterans, Stephon Gilmore, Rodney McLeod on Wednesday. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Kenny Moore mispracticed with an illness. Uh, Quiddy Pay with an ankle injury. Also did not participate in Thursday's practice. He has a boot out there. Jab, I, I am uh, not encouraged by Quiddy Pay still being in a boot and not being out of practice. I do not think he will suit up this weekend against the Eagles. That's just my gut feeling. No, now. I mean, the fact he's still in a boot, and, and, and this is one you want to try to give him the right amount of time, whatever that is, mm-hmm. to, to get it to get it back. We sort of went through this with JT, and they gave him maybe an extra day, an extra week off. I don't know, but this this is it's just unfortunate because just just when Quiddy starts to crank it up and really get into a groove, this happens. So uh, unfortunate, but and it's going to further test the the depth on the line again because we were in the locker room Wednesday, and here comes Tyquan Lewis in. With that big brace on his left on his left leg from the uh, what was Patella. it Patella? Yeah. So it, it's really going to put Dio and a lot of those guys more meaningful snaps, and mm-hmm. hopefully they'll hold up. Quid uh, DeForest Buckner uh, was listed out uh, with a neck injury on Wednesday, but he's typically had a rest day on Wednesday um, in the past. So like I I don't know exactly what the rules are for reporting injuries with, uh, that's negotiated with the NFL CBA for practice stuff. I have a feeling that he might've been out anyway, just to rest, but Wednesday has been a rest day for him. Exactly. Right. But, but technically if you have some kind of the knock, they have to put it out there. So, so I, I'm not too discouraged by that, especially since he returned to the field on Thursday, uh, at practice running back Deion Jackson, uh, was missed Wednesday's practice, but he was there uh, as we saw on Thursday. Missed um, all last week. 
yes, missed all last week, but finally returned to the field Thursday. I'll bet we haven't seen the official designation yet, but I'll bet it'll be a limited participation uh, for for Dion. And also a long snapper, Luke Rhodes, returned to practice on Thursday. He was listed as having a calf injury, uh, but also uh, Jeff Saturday, Colts head coach, let slip that Luke Rhodes and his wife uh, had a baby. So congratulations to the Rhodes. Hopefully all the family members knew that before exactly. Jeff announced yes. it. I would think so. They probably did. But nevertheless, uh, congrats to Luke and his family for uh, for the new uh, the new bundle of joy. Limited participant on Wednesday, Yannick Ngakwe with a back injury, Ryan Kelly with a knee injury, Jelani Woods with a shoulder, and uh, per our Brett Bensley, Jelani was not out there uh, on on Thursday in practice, so that'll be a big one to watch on Friday if Jelani's out there or not, if they're really trying to take it easy with him or what what the heck's going on. Uh, so we'll, we'll be out there on Friday. Follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone for, uh, for that and uh, for updates uh, throughout the week on the Eagles as well, who had a very significant uh, injury uh, this week, and that is they placed tight end Dallas Goddard uh, on injured reserve. And, and Joe, in, in spite of the, the Eagles having a lot of wide receivers that are dangerous, and uh, the Colts fans will know A.J. Brown first and foremost, also Heisman winner Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard has been huge for them this year. He's been a chain mover. He's been a consistent performer. So them losing out on Dallas Goddard is pretty much is a significant blow to the Eagles' offense. Yeah, he might not get the national attention of, a you know, obviously Kelsey Andrews, um, George Kittle, but I, I would say he's probably a top five tight end in the NFL. Uh, extremely talented. Just two weeks ago, he had 100 yards and a touchdown against Houston, so him not being out there is a, a big deal for Philly, and that's one less headache the Colts will have to worry about. Defensive tackle Marlon Tuipilotu also placed on injured reserve this week. Defensive tackle Jordan Davis, the first-round pick out of Georgia, the big boy, missed, uh, missed Wednesday's practice with an ankle injury. Uh, he was placed on injured reserve after his Week 8 injury, so he's not playing either. He won't be back. There you go. Derek Barnett with a knee injury placed on injured reserve uh, after tearing his ACL in the season opener. Speaking of defensive tackles, oh, Philly's loading up. Earlier this week, they signed Linville Joseph, I believe a two-time Pro Bowler big boy, and then just came across a ticker. They just signed Ndamukong Sue. Um, so, you know, I don't know how quickly those guys will be ready to play on Sunday. Just bring Broad in to the team, but... They're they're you know saying we got injuries we're just going to keep the keep bringing them in. That's got to be with a long more of a long term, the season mm -hmm. uh, view. I, I mean I, I just can't imagine signing somebody today, him practicing one time, right, with Sue and him playing. Maybe you have a very limited uh, role. Maybe but it's a fourth and in inches. You stick him in there just exactly to clobber somebody. Uh -huh. But like, if there's one position I would think you could get adjusted to or get up to speed quickly, it's probably defensive tackle. And I don't mean to slight defensive tackles because what they do is incredibly difficult. I just think that there's probably less scheming that goes on with what they do overall. Um, you might have a couple of like twists and stunts here and there that are that are in the playbook, but pretty much it's this is your gap. Try to cause some issues. Or this is your gap. Don't let anybody through. If you're more of an attacking front, or if you're more a kind of hold the line front, kind of depends on whichever the defense. It, wants it you might to be do. more of a football conditioning. Although again, if you're yeah, on, if you're too. on a serious snap count, you're talking ten plays and certain situations. But uh, again, I, I think it's got more to do with the Eagles. See, this as a, a a chance. The window is wide open for them this year. Yes, it is. And you can, you know, you, you just got to have guys up front to, to carry you. You've also got to stay ahead of everyone else in that division because the NFC East is, is no slouch. You got the Cowboys right behind them and the Giants right behind them, 
And the Commanders have now won three of their last four, too. So like people say that the Eagles are, are kind of going for the jugular, and I agree with the moves that they've made midseason. But also, they need to stay ahead of everyone else because you look backwards, and it's not that far back. You have to look and see people right behind you. So, I mean, they're playing for, um, for the division. They're playing for home field advantage. Uh, in spite of their great start, nothing's been given to them yet. So, so they're going all in with what they're trying to do, uh, Joe, with the moves they're making. Well, now I was looking through their games and, you know, coming in, obviously, the last undefeated team, and they had clobbered Pittsburgh, and they beat Houston um, by, you know, double digits. But they had a lot of close games in there. They weren't just blowing everyone away. Like, I, I, at least I kind of thought they were. They beat Detroit by three. They beat Arizona by three. There's a lot more... Um, close games that they were able to come out and win, which is a huge quality in itself to mm -hmm. be able to win close games, but it's not like they just been blowing the doors off of everybody. They won at least one national game, and that was against the Cowboys, and they won that pretty handily. So that was the impression, I think, that was national about the Eagles, that, hey, they're 8-0, and they're killing people. Well, not exactly. They're not killing people like that. So uh, they are winning, and they're doing well in in, in winning, but, uh, but yeah, there's it's not... This isn't exactly... The, uh, the 1990 49ers that are scoring uh, 35 points a game or whatever and, and just throwing people in the dust. Um, uh, Wednesday's practice uh, for the Eagles, Josh Joby with a hamstring injury did not participate, and a bunch of players were limited, and likely uh, A.J. Brown among them likely to go on Sunday. That's, that's what he told the media. Also, Devontae Smith, Britton Covey, uh, wide receivers, center Jason Kelsey, defensive tackle Fletcher Cox, linebacker Hassan Reddick as well, all uh, limited in participation in practice on Wednesday. The Colts are 4-5-1. and one. The Eagles are 8-1. and one. You can watch the game at 1 p.m. Broadcast. Joe, it is on CBS 4. Are you sure about that? Because usually, check. yeah, check on that. Because usually the, the NFC games are, are uh, Fox games. So we'll see. I, I don't even know. I should know that uh, on Thursday of this yeah, week. too. But anyway, uh, the Eagles are coming off their first loss of the season, 32-21. That was skewed a little bit by a uh, last-second uh, touchdown on a uh, lateral, lateral, lateral play. I believe that, that messed up somebody's over-under line. I know it messed up more than one person's over-under line or uh, a, a mid-game, a those, hot line, live line. Exactly, for all you out there who... Uh, put a few shekels down uh, on games from time to time. I'm sure that one skewed a lot of money in one direction or another. I'm seeing CBS. Okay, great. It is on CBS, so good deal. CBS 4, if you're in central Indiana, uh, Colts-Eagles this weekend, 1 p.m. Um, the, the one thing, chap, that the Eagles have done this year was they took the ball away and they didn't give the ball away. But that was different against the Commanders. Before that game, they had three turnovers. I was say they had more in one game than they did the first the eight, eight games. The entire year, three turnovers in eight games. That was an NFL record for eight games. Then they go give it away four times and are still very much in the game until the bitter end. I think that kind of it shows that the quality of the team that they gave it away four times, but were still in it to the bitter end. So their their eight and no start was no fluke, but it was obvious that uh, it, anybody, it's hard to overcome four turnovers. That's what we've, we've harped on this all season. The Colts have got 18. Mm -hmm. They had the 18th one the other day, and, and it resulted in a touchdown because mm -hmm. that's what they do to this team. They've given up 70 points on turnovers. That, that's ridiculous. That's just ridiculous. And if these guys are sloppy with the ball on Sunday, all bets are off. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we'll get into more with the Matt Ryan back and all this stuff, keys to the game, but Take care of the ball. And the one guy that's got to take care of the ball, which hadn't been the case, is Michael Pittman. All of a sudden, he's just getting a little, I don't know what the word is, sloppy, uh, 
not securing the ball. He's had two fumbles in three games, and, and then he had the drop pass uh, against Washington. And what's really crazy is the fumble he had in Vegas would have probably cost him the game. Yet he comes back and makes a recovery. So at least at least he 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 avoided the damage. But he he just needs to tighten it up a little bit. And, he, and I think he will. Yeah. And, and Joe, if you're if you're looking at around the NFL at opportunistic secondaries, the Eagles are up there at the top of them. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll get into it a little bit later, but. Um, but if there, there's no team that you would least like to play, I think, it, it, with uh, with a wide receiver who's having uh, some some hands issues. We'll put it that way, because I, I don't, I, I don't want to go any further than that for sure with Pitt, but or with a quarterback who's uh, who has thrown some untimely interceptions this year. Nine. Untimely nine nine, nine nine times interceptions than than the Eagles. They they their their secondary is pretty lights out. Yeah, they brought in the veterans James Bradbury and um, C.J. Gardner Johnson, and they have nine interceptions between the two of them. Not too shabby. Yeah, not too. Like, shabby. That's good moves by Howie Rosen. The, the stats you've got here though, th- and and th- this is like, but well, yeah, fourth in sacks, most interceptions. Yep. I mean, they go hand in hand. They do. Uh, make the quarterback do things before he's ready. You know, jostle him and get and and they go hand in hand. That's why I say what the Colts have done this year is pretty impressive, considering the pass rush has been just sort of and and, and uh, so this is a those go hand in hand. They've had pressure the quarterback, yep. get interceptions. The, the Eagles are, have very few holes in their team. Uh, they are third in scoring offense, averaging more than twenty-seven points per game fourth in yards per game, sixth in rushing. They rush the ball really well. I mean, Hertz helps them out that tremendously for sure, but Miles Sanders has been solid this year. They're 11th in passing yards per game. Um, they have given up 23 sacks, which is a little bit more than average in the league, but not significantly. Um, but even with giving up four turnovers last week, their seven turnovers are the fewest in the NFL. So that offense is clicking. Defense, seventh in points allowed, third in yards allowed. Again, both top ten. Top ten in offense, points and yards. Top ten in defense, points and yards. Eight and one. You're, you're going to win I a mean, lot of games when that happens. A lot of games. Second in the pass, uh, their defense is allowing less than 180 yards per game. Their 13 picks are the most in the league. Their fourth most in sacks, like you said, Chap. 20th against the run, again, a little bit less than average. They're allowing 4.7 yards per carry, but they are getting ahead in most games, so a lot of teams aren't running the ball all um, that much against them. So I think if the Colts could get ahead, and they can lean on the run, maybe they could take advantage of that, especially with a guy like Jordan Davis out and uh, Chap, as you said, bringing in a couple defensive tackles that might be completely uh, up to speed just yet. One thing, and, and it's, it's, you always hear this, is they're 8-0 and they're, and they're just motoring through the season when now there's a blueprint on how to beat them. You know, what, what Washington run, 48 times for 150 yards, whatever it was, mm-hmm. in the time of possession – this is what we talked to Nick Sirianni on Wednesday, I think it was, and he called you out. You asked him the I question. Know. You said, "Chap." I know he, he knew he knew <laughs> me and Zach Kiefer, uh, which I guess is a good thing. But th- this is how teams attacked, and I'm not putting these guys in the same level at all. This is how teams attack defense attacked Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. You limit the possessions. You, you try to you know you try to have the sustained drives and run the ball, and and when it works, it works. But this is what. Uh, what, what Nick brought up is this is what the Colts did to Kansas City. Was it 19 when, when they went there and, and they, they played possession? Marlon yep. Mack and good defense. And 
and that's why I think again you've got to make plays in a pass game. But if you look if you look at what the Colts did last week offensively, no, the whole team. That is what they envisioned in the offseason when they brought Matt Ryan in here. 21 or 28, 222, but you ran the ball, you protected the guy, one sec. I, re- I realize it was the Raiders. I realize that. But that's what you anticipated. Good defensive or offensive line play, solid defense, run the ball and throw it when you need to and you want to. We'll see if they can sustain it. This is a much, much higher level defense and team they're going to face this week if nothing else joe the Colts should at least have a little bit of a confidence boost after last week because after so many weeks of not fulfilling like chap said the expectation for this offseason it clicked in this game on offense in particular like this is what they were supposed to look like the offensive line a couple changes inserting will fries in there helped and everyone played more along the lines of what was expected of them They were able to open holes for Jonathan Taylor. It was the type of offense, like Chap said, that they had hoped for. But also, there's a difference, of course, between doing that against the Raiders and then doing it against the Eagles. Sure, let's call it a nice warm-up. You know, you get a nice warm-up against the Raiders, you do what you're supposed to do, and and then you get a a much bigger test with the Eagles, and hopefully some of that can carry over. You go, okay, you know, obviously it's going to be harder against higher talent. But if you just did it the past week, it kind of gives you some of that confidence going forward. I mean, some of the other games they won this year, I don't know how the offense could feel good after the Broncos win. I don't know how they could feel good after the Kansas City win. Jacksonville game. The Jacksonville game. Yeah, one game. Yeah, they right. felt good at. And even that game, I mean, they, they didn't run the ball They threw it 58 well. times. They, yeah. What did Deion Jackson have, like nine catches or something ridiculous? Ten catches for 70-some yards. Yeah, a PPR monster out there for that one week. Yeah, but, buddy. Um, this was finally a game where they could feel good about what they did out there. And, you know, we'll talk about it in the keys of the game here, but if it wasn't for that bad Matt Ryan sack that led to the missed field goal and the Kiki Cootie fumble, they could have had 34 points. I mean, they should have scored more points than they did than just the 25 it was still a close game to the end because of that. Um, so I think that's something to build off with the Raiders game, and they're going to have to kind of take it to the next level against the Eagles. Well, let's look into this Eagles team a little bit with the players to watch. We'll start on offense and begin with quarterback Jalen Hurts, who is undoubtedly an MVP candidate. Look at any line from any sports book uh, that's out there. He'll be top four, if not top two, uh, right alongside Patrick Mahomes, who is right now the betting favorite. But Hurts not too far behind because he's had a great season, completing nearly he's probably number two, isn't he? I think so. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Josh I, I Allen saw, has, has passed. Yeah, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson are up there, and uh, Tua's up there. It kind of depends on where you, uh, where you, uh, where you uh, choose to wager right. your money exactly. But uh, Jalen Hurts has uh, nearly two, excuse me, two hundred fifty yards passing per game, fourteen touchdowns, three picks, and he can run the ball too, Joe. Uh, he, he's He's proven in his now third year in the league that, uh, that well, he has developed in his third year in the league, no doubt. I, and I think some consistency under Nick Sirianni has benefited him. And uh, obviously adding weapons around him has benefited him. You go out, you draft Devontae Smith. You go out, you trade for A.J. Brown. The Eagles saw a quarterback that they knew needed to develop and knew had problems, had some issues that needed to be ironed out. They went out and got him the best wide receivers they possibly could. They added weapons around him to give him absolutely no excuse not to succeed, and here he is succeeding here. 
And let's not forget maybe the best offensive line in the NFL, at least top five by anybody's standards. Uh, Jalen Hurts is a wonderful example of drafting somebody with the right mindset, the right character, the right work ethic, um, and, and letting them develop, giving them a chance to get better year after year. Kind of recently we've seen quarterbacks just kind of come in and either immediately be good or not, and they've not given a very long chance to develop and become good. And if they weren't good right away, their offensive coordinator or their coach got fired and they didn't have that consistency. Um, for, for a second-round pick, Jalen Hurts to ascend to the level that he has is pretty astounding. And um, obviously kind of di different games, um, but similar approach to Lamar Jackson, who was the last pick in the first round. Jalen Hurts was a high pick in the second round, I believe, where you kind of bring someone with a lot of talent in, build the offense around them, build the playbook around what they do well, and then just keep adding weapons, and then they, they can really blossom. The only difference is the, the Ravens got rid of a major weapon, and Philly brought one in. Exactly. That, that's which, which is huge. You know, you, you look at A.J. Brown and, and Devontae, I mean, that, that's – those are those are you know explosive players, mm -hmm. and that's I think we talked to Sirianni. He said we were thinking, who's the best guy out there? And it, and it was it was uh, uh, AJ Brown going it, away. Yeah, going yeah, really. <laughs> so it just shows you how teams prioritize. You know Tennessee and Baltimore did not prioritize. Maybe they said we're going to pay twenty twenty five million for a receiver, and that's fine. But these guys, they understand. Maybe Chicago will will help Justin Fields, you know, moving forward. But they've done it the right way in Philly, and we're seeing the results of it. I'm not sure there's a quarterback in the league who wouldn't trade their just offensive skill, their situation for Philly's situation between the the, the skill positions and the offensive yeah. line. Uh, Sirianni is a very good offensive mind. Um, Jalen Hurts is great himself, but he has so much talent around him. A.J. Brown has, has made a uh, living in killing the Colts, too. Uh, as much as Derrick Henry has been the, the engine that drives that bus, chap, over the years, A.J. Brown has had a couple catches and a the couple shock plays that, yeah, exactly, that just have killed them, uh, the Colts in those games. We go back to the game, was it wasn't last year, when, when Tyquan Lewis had yep. the pick and the Fumbled fumble and the patella, and then was the next play? Boop. It was either yeah. the next play or two plays. And, you know, obviously yeah. Xavier Rhodes did a really, really bad job of acting like he was tackling. But but th those are that, – that's what the league is, doggone it. It's just it, – it's Jonathan Taylor going 66 yards. It's mm -hmm. Paris Campbell going 35 yards on – which exposed how much the Raiders didn't want to tackle him. Oh, my gosh. How about that Paris Campbell touchdown? I loved it, man. But, but that, that's – boy, it, if you got it in our, our, our keys of the game – we, we said all along the wild card for this Colts offense was Paris Campbell. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that over the last month where he's really – he's already got more – he's had a, he's had his best numbers of his career this year more than he had in his first three years. So kudos to Paris Campbell. Yeah, I, I've loved seeing him succeed. And, and that, that play, his 35-yard touchdown, it was great that the, the game showed kind of the, the way high view. You could see uh, what – it looked like two defenders had the angle on him, and they did. And then they ran into each other at the four-yard line and didn't even try to tackle him. And Parrish just like, okay, see you later. We'll, we'll, we'll keep going and score a touchdown here. So showed his speed, showed his toughness. 
Um, really happy for Paris, especially Joe. Early this season, he was getting all the snaps and none of the targets. We're like, what the heck's going on with Paris? Is this an offensive coordinator issue? Is this a Paris Campbell issue? Is this a Matt Ryan issue? Well, lately there's been no issue. No issue. Yeah, he's, he's getting his chances and he's, he's capitalizing on them. Yeah, he is. Uh, three of the last four games he's had, uh, he's hit the 70-yard mark. He has two touchdowns over that span. He's really hitting his stride. And for a player who has played so little over his career, it kind of makes sense that as he got, you know, seven, eight, nine games deep into the season, he kind of got a rhythm going and kind of got a feel for the game. And let's not forget new quarterbacks as well that you kind of got to develop that mm -hmm. connection with. So great to see Paris making plays out there because Pittman has been more of a possession guy this year. He he really hasn't had much chances down the field like we saw last year where Carson Wentz, because Wentz will throw that yellow ball every once Anytime. in a while. Yeah, any game, and, any any play. And, and darn it, uh, Pittman's pretty darn good at coming down with them. Um, we've not really seen that this year from Pittman. Uh, Pierce has been more of that guy. Uh, running back, we got away. We shifted away from the Eagles there. Let's go back. Miles Sanders as 10th in the NFL in rushing, has more than 700 yards. He's averaging five yards per carry. He's been really effective when they give him the ball. Um, also has six rushing touchdowns. On the defensive side of the ball. It was hard to pin down just a couple guys. I know. Like Joe listed like six guys right here because it's really about getting after the quarterback and it's about intercepting the ball. Those are the two things that the Eagles have done uh, better than any, uh, anybody in conjunction uh, this year. Um, Javon Hargrave leads the team with seven sacks, the defensive tackle. Uh, linebacker Hassan Reddick, uh, six and a half sacks. He's right behind him. Uh, Josh Sweat leads the team with eight tackles for loss. Also has three and a half sacks. So it, it's a bevy of guys that can get after them. And, Joe, you, you, you don't even have uh, uh, Robert Quinn in here. Um, and he's a, a recent addition to, to their line. They haven't gotten super involved yet. But Still working them in. Exactly. Maybe, maybe that's coming, too. There, there's another guy who can get after the quarterback. So they're, they're, it's, it's coming from everywhere from the Eagles' defense. There is not one area. Like, like last week, we knew it was Max Crosby. He was the rush for the, for the Raiders, and no one else was really too much of a threat when you looked at their stats. This week, the pressure could come from anywhere. Yeah, the whole line is going to really have to play their best game of the year if they're going to keep Matt Ryan upright and they're going to give Jonathan Taylor room to run. And they just come in waves. It kind of reminds me of the Super Bowl year for Philly where they didn't really have one guy who had 15 sacks. Fletcher mm -hmm. Cox was in the prime of his career yep. back then. But other than that, they just came at you in waves. Um, kind of how the Giants did it the years they were able to beat the Patriots. They just had so many guys that could keep coming at you, and which is really the best way to build a defense. And that's how Chris Ballard tried to build this defensive line, but injuries have really thinned out that depth. We talked about secondary already. Uh, Darius Slay has three interceptions, nine passes defended. James Bradbury, three interceptions, 11 passes defended. And C.J. Gardner-Johnson leads the NFL with six interceptions himself. Um, so there's a lot of guys back there, a lot of players, and a lot of ball hawks back there. I kind of asked Michael Pittman about this in the locker room today, like going up against a group like that is talking about uh, you have to be physical against these guys, like because they're gonna they're gonna go for the ball. You're gonna have to probably fight fight them off once or twice, um, and, and really be aggressive in, in the tops of your routes. Make strong cuts toward the ball. Come back toward the ball. Uh, use your body to to get get uh, some position uh, so you can go after the ball. But uh, this this will be a tough test, chap, for the, for the Colts wide receivers too. Because hey, even if you get the ball out past that pass rush, uh, the, these these defensive backs have been some of the best in the in the league this year. Yeah, and, and for the most part, Pitt's been pretty good about that. He has, yes. Th these last three games have just been sort of aberrations for him. I don't know if three games is an aberration, mm -hmm. but but and, and they need to get back to Pierce. I think he had was it 
two targets and no catches. No catches. Which, One was overturned. Right. So, uh, but but again, it's what's well, going to be important, and and we'll talk about it a little bit later on. Is, but it's throw when you when you want to throw, not when you have to throw. And I thought what they really did well against Vegas, which it seemed like it was always third and four, third and three, third and five. You get to third and twelve, and and they're going to smoke you. They're they're just they're too good. Uh, when you get behind the change with a false start or a holding penalty or whatever, and we'll see if they can, if the Colts can maintain the discipline they played with and mm-hmm. efficiency, because it's one thing like we've harped on. It's one thing to do it against Vegas; they're going to let you get off with some things. Billy won't 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 be as obliging. And to to go with that point and to kind of circle back to one I made earlier about the running game and how Jonathan Taylor had so many yards before contact. Joe, I can't remember any real negative runs last week against against the Raiders. There might have been one or two of them, but every time it seemed like Taylor was going forward and not stopping. And, and to Chap's point, that leads to third and fours and, and not third and eights when this good Eagles defensive front could really tee off on you. Yeah, there weren't a lot. There was a couple, but they were pretty few and far between. So that's what they have to do. They have to attack this Eagles defense, which is – it's hard to quantify and explain, but that's kind of the way Washington played Monday. They were aggressive. They took shots with Terry McLaurin. They ran the heck out of the ball. They went at the Eagles. The moment you start kind of sitting back and going, oh, oh boy, here they come again, they got you. The game's over. So the Colts really have to get out to a good start so that they could play football the way they want to play football. They had a halftime lead. They did. Colts did. Yep. How about that for the first time? They scored first quarter points. Since Christmas. Yeah. Fourth quarter lead. Fourth quarter, and fourth, fourth quarter lead. Since Christmas. We mentioned that twice. It was incredible. How about that? Colts, hey. Keys to the game as the Colts take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Joe, you were just making the point uh, to come out strong, and to do that, uh, you established the run and do exactly what you did last week. Yeah, the, uh, we mentioned Washington, 152 and two tutties, as uh, just Saturday Tuds. would say. Tuds. Um, on Monday against the Eagles. Let the O-line and Jonathan Taylor get into the rhythm, into a rhythm, because asking Matt Ryan to drop back 40 times is going to be a disaster. Didn't Washington average like 3.1 yards a carry? They did. Which is which just shows you either stubbornness or patience, whatever word you want to use, and that's what you got to do. They, mm-hmm. just, they played how they wanted to play, and because of a lot of the turnovers. I was going to say, yeah, the turnovers helped them do that. Exactly. They were able to keep pounding it because they had a lead for a lot of the game. Yep. Um, uh, let's see. Don't let the Phillies pass rush get off. Pretty obvious. Keep Phillies offense off the field is the other part of it. We mentioned with how teams played Peyton Manning. The Eagles ran a season-low 47 plays in Monday's loss. They'd average 67 per game heading into the week. So that's, that's you know two-thirds of the plays that they usually run out there. Um, so by running the football, you not only play how the Colts are built and want to play, but they keep this explosive Eagles offense off the field. I think Jonathan Taylor is getting healthier, chap. I, I don't know if he's quite all the way back, and if he ever will until the season is over. I doubt that, but he at least showed last week that he, he can play on whatever strength percentage his ankle is as long as the offensive line is up to snuff in front of him. And that's the whole thing. Again, there were games that he came back and played, and he just didn't look right. Now, whether, whether that was hesitancy because of the ankle or his trust on the line, I don't know. But I, again, I, I was impressed by. I always wondered when he got in the open field, can he run away from people like he did last year? You know, was he not at top speed Sunday? I don't know, but they didn't catch him. So maybe he only used how much speed he needed. But that's what you want to see. But then he he also made the tough 
the tough three and four and seven yard runs, which in a game like this, that's what you got to do. Like I said, if the Washington, if they ran the ball 45 times for 150, if the Colts do that, they're going to get more than 150. They just will because they're because Taylor is that good. And I think this line maybe Jeff Stoudy might have put the fear of God in him. I don't know. <laughs> he may, he may have. And if if he did, then good. But I, that's the way you've got to beat them. If you think you can get in a shootout with these guys, you're going to lose because at some point they're they're going to get that shock defensive play, and then the game's going to get away from you. We talked about that chap a little bit today, just in in the media room, putting the fear of God in the players uh, and. That was maybe something that they didn't have under Frank Reich, and I don't, I don't, I, and we've talked about this on this podcast, in fact, before the the difference between a uh, a Tony Dungy staff that had guys like a Howard Mudd or Tom Moore or a John Tierling, or John Tierlink on the defensive side, like and 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 who exactly was that with, under Frank Reich? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. I don't know what I, I don't know what Gus was. I don't know what Chris Strasser was. I don't know. It's a good, it's really a good question. And there were points that Nick Sirianni was that guy for for a couple of years when he was here, and when he left, it was well, I was like, uh, okay, everyone on the staff seems seems more similar with how they approach players, and, and some players just need something different. And that's not saying that one way is better than the other. That's not saying that one way is the right way to do it and the other way is wrong. I, I think if I was building a staff, I would want multiple different types of leaders, multiple different types of motivators. Because in a locker room of 53 guys on your roster, 10 more with the practice squad, those guys are going to respond to different types of motivation. So if Jeff Saturday comes in and wants to light a fire under some guys, I, I'm all for it, just to be a, a bit different than Frank Reich was. Um, so, so maybe that... That was helpful last week. We'll see if that continues this week. You've, you've got to you've got to read the room, sort of. And I go back to with Howard Mudd. Tariq Glenn was a top tier left tackle. He simply was. Howard rode him and he rode him and he rode him because he knew Tariq could take it. Then they tried the same approach with Tony Hugo, and he beat him down. He just it's it's you got to know who you're who you're going with. And we talked to Reggie today, and he, and he was saying the same thing about Jeff brings leadership and accountability. And then he said, now, he said Frank did too, but it was different. Mm -hmm. And maybe Frank's way, again, not knowing how practices go in meetings, maybe after four and a half years, the players just didn't respond the way they did to what Frank said. He said, hey, you guys are pros. Go out there and do it, doggone it. Mm -hmm. And at some point, maybe you need more. Uh, and, and that's how Jeff Saturday, Reggie said, hey, when I was a player, if I'm not playing well, get in my face and tell me. That's how I respond. Not all players are like that, but we'll see. And, and as we talked about Monday is we'll see what the staying power is. You know, you, you, let's forget they played the Raiders. Just They, they <laughs> looked to be a different team Sunday. They just did. Mm -hmm. Is that sustainable? Is this who they are now? Or was it that one-game blip you get? from a change and there's, there's no going to be no better test moving forward than Philly. Joe on offense, establish the run as a key on defense. You got to stop the run uh, as much as an eye is on uh, Jalen hurts. And some of these wide receivers we've mentioned, I mean, hurts can run the ball too. And we've mentioned miles Sanders can, uh, is, has been, has a, hey, excuse me, has had a pretty consistent year himself. Well, and I think Philly would probably tell you that's who they want to be at heart. A, a smash mouth, run the ball team. That that's what they were last year. And Jalen hurts has developed to the point where he can throw for 300 yards on any given Sunday. But I, I think especially after the loss where 
They re- rushed um, for under 100 yards for just the second time this year, their second lowest total. They want to get back to really who they are and what they believe their DNA is. And so I think they're really going to come out and try to run the football. They ran for 94 yards Monday. They averaged 148 yards rushing per game coming in to that game. So I think they're really going to get back to that, run the ball, and really um, r- really kind of reestablish who they want to be. And then finally, you got to take advantage of your opportunities because whenever you're playing great teams, you know that the opportunities are going to be fewer and further between than if you play the Raiders, a team that's kind of given up opportunities left and right, to be perfectly frank. The Eagles, it doesn't come around often. The Commanders did so last week. They scored points when they were able to. They made a couple big plays with Terry McLaurin in the passing game. They took the ball away when the Eagles looked to be threatening themselves. Uh, the opportunistic team is the one that is able to beat a team that is the eight and one, the team, the team that's cruising, because um, because you know that you're going to be perhaps punching above your weight a little bit. Uh, you need to land some of those punches. Yeah, the Colts can't afford to give Philly any extra help out there. When there's a chance for an interception, you need to catch it. When the ball's on the ground, you need to jump on it. Um, Monday was the first time Philly lost a turnover battle all season. And we saw what happened. Uh, and not only, you know, fumbling in scoring territory, taking bad sacks that lead to missed field goals, that's not going to get it done against the Eagles. They need to really capitalize on those chances. Quit f- fumbling, for goodness sake. Well, 20, 23. That, 23 fumbles in 10 games. Sakes that's absurd. Alive. Yeah, th- I hope they practice all week just not fumbling the football. Somebody give everyone a football to walk around the building all day and just have coaches try and knock it out. Whatever you got to do, they can't afford to have those – uh, mistakes against this superbly talented Eagles team. I think the one thing, again, all that we've said, that they don't have to play the perfect game. No. This is not, you know, Douglas against Tyson where you got a puncher's chance. No, if the Colts play their game and play it well, they got a decent chance. They just do. They're not a god-awful team that they've showed us most of the season. Again, last week, is if it's the blueprint how to beat Philly, fine. It's the blueprint how this team has to play, and it's not doing anything special. It's it it's playing efficiently, throwing the ball when you want to, not when you have to, running the ball, and play good defense. That, that's not magic. It's just it's just playing the way you want to play. The story of Hancock Health is all about you and everything you need to live your healthiest life. Like Hancock Regional, one of the nation's safest hospitals, and an independent health network with over 70 doctors at more than 30 locations around East Central Indiana. We're growing and evolving to help further your story. And we're just getting started. See all the ways Hancock Health and you can work together to make health possible at HancockHealth.org. FanDuel has the Colts six-and-a-half-point underdogs right now. The over-under set at 43.5, so they're expecting something along the lines of a 24-18, uh, to 25-19 ball game, right, right in that range. Um, I'll go first. Joe, you go second with your prediction, chap. You can wrap us up. I've got mine written down in case okay, you guys have okay. picked it. Good deal. I, I, I said – I told – Brett Bensley, our photographer of mine earlier today, I said 27 to 20 Eagles is my prediction. I don't think it really gets out of hand. Like the Eagles are coming in with their pride bruised a little bit after that that is last it, win. Would you rather have them coming in 9 and 0 or angry? I'd rather have them coming in 9 and 0. Uh I, I I'd rather be the trap game, the game where they have exactly. the more turnovers. Yes, yep. like, completely. Uh I, at the end of the day, do I think it matters that much? No, but they 
the commanders definitely at least snapped their attention back to 100. Uh, if it, it if it had been you know fading just a little bit in Philadelphia because everyone's blowing smoke up your you know what and and you thinks, listen because it's human nature exactly like that 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 game was like uh uh-uh, uh no 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 Every, everyone back to 100 we we can't do this so is, is there some effect yeah i think so but i don't think it's a super significant effect um i so i i think that I think it's going to be really difficult for the Colts to come out with a win in this game. It's going to be very difficult for them to repeat what they did last week. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I, I'm not I'm not throwing out what I saw the first nine weeks of the season just because last week they came out under a new interim head coach and performed well against what has been perhaps the most dysfunctional team in the league this year. So... Was it encouraging? Yes. Was there a lot for Colts fans to be excited about? Absolutely. Is this a massive turning point in the season? That remains to be seen completely. And the optimism, if you want to be super optimistic and say yes, you go right ahead and do that. That's fine. But but I'm not going to hop on board just yet. So when you're playing the most elite teams in the NFL, I don't know if you can quite keep up with them. I'll say this. I'm quite sure Jeff Saturday is happy he was able to pick his quarterback last week to give him the uh, the best chance to to win, unlike perhaps what happened with the previous head that, coach. That, that could be a whole entire different podcast. Exactly. So I, I just threw it in at the end here, right, right as we're wrapping up. But um, Matt Ryan gives you certainly the best chance to win out of uh, anyone in that quarterback room. Um, but I, I just don't think it's going to be enough against this Eagles team that uh, that did have its attention snapped back. Uh, after the loss last week and has been elite in terms of taking it away and not giving it away, which has been the Colts Achilles heel this year. So I, I don't think the Colts can keep up in the end. 27-20 is my prediction. Joe? Yeah, I really want to take the Colts and hop on that bandwagon and Woo-hoo! ride, but I can't do it. And not because I don't think the Colts may be finally playing up to the level that we thought they'd be at, but because I think the Eagles top to bottom are a better football team. I mean, I can maybe think of two or three positions that I think the Colts are better at. Running back with Taylor, Quentin Nelson's a pretty darn good guard still. Um, he may have played his best game on Sunday. And then maybe maybe at the linebacker spot where Philly um, isn't one of the best in the league. But other than that, this Philly football team might be the best constructed roster in the NFL right now. Um, and, and when they get their defensive tackles back, they're going to be even better. So I'm going to take... The Eagles win 27 to uh, 17, and I think you know the Colts are going to play them tough throughout. The Phil- Phillies going to kind of make it a two-score ball game at the end. Chap, I've got 27-20 written down. Oh, I hey. wrote it down before before you said anything. Yeah, I, I just I, I see this thing going into the fourth quarter because I think the Colts do play well. I think they do find a way to not totally beat themselves with the turnovers. Maybe. We're all going to be laughed at on Monday, where it's just gets away from them. But I, I do think that that the that the change, primarily at quarterback, it, it gives them a chance to be competitive. And as as long as Ryan is not the one with the turnovers, I, I think they've got a chance. And, and I think JT is going to have a, a decent game if he if he's up in the 95, 100, 100 yard range. I really like their chances because that means they're going to stick with it. And, and as long as you've got a run game and you and you can throw when you want to throw and not have to throw, I like their chances. 
but not enough to put it on paper. 27-20 Philly. Colts are still, what is it, 10-1-1 or 11-1-1 when Jonathan Taylor runs for 100 yards? Their only loss was last year against the Raiders. It could, because it makes sense, because that's how they're built. Yes, exactly. That's how they're constructed. Yeah. It's, it's easier said than done to run for 100 yards uh, against NFL defenses, but uh, when the Colts' offensive line is clicking and Jonathan Taylor's back there, they, they have a chance every week. If he gets a 20 sometimes, he's yep. going to break one. He just... Mm-hmm. I'm not saying 66 yards, but he's going to break 20, 30. And if he gets that, he, he does have a chance to do it. He, he, to me, he is the key to the game with all that goes around him. Give him a chance of a run game, and, and they got a chance. We do appreciate you listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. You should subscribe. Get us delivered to your podcast listening device week after week. Available wherever podcasts can be found. Exactly where you found this one, in fact. Wherever it was. Online. Google Play. Stitcher. iTunes. Music Store. YouTube. All these places. YouTube. Lots of places. YouTube. Wow, we're, we're, we're branching out. We're yes, we are. Yeah, I try. Taking, uh, <laughs> taking the world by storm. Colts Eagles this week, 1 p.m. kickoff, CBS 4 in Central Indiana. Join us at 1130 there on CBS 4 for the Blue Zone pregame show as well. Colts Eagles, we'll see what happens, guys. Game two of the Jeff Saturday era. Follow us online at Colts Blue Zone for news and notes throughout the week. For Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins, I'm Dave Griffiths. Take care, and we will see you next week. <laughs>